Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Mill fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tinned fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them, you can DM me at Actong Millwall, and I'll pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub, at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're listening to Acton Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Except no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another random fixture from the past edition of Acton Millwall. My name is Nick Cart. This is, of course, the number one Millwall podcast, and as always, we choose these random years, quite literally randomly, via a website called random.org, and it's thrown me a bit of a challenge today, but I must accept the challenge, because that's the the deal with the devil that I've struck with the dice man himself. Um, it's taken me the year of 1886, so I'm looking or trying to find any information possible on March the 3rd or March 1886, to be frank, it's going to be pretty much any information at all from the year of 1886, because as you well know, dear listener, the club itself, Mill Football Club, Mill Rovers, was only formed in October, and at this time, the Mill Rovers, playing on the Isle of Dogs, were a little more than um, a park side, as it's described in the wonderful James Murray book, Lines of the South, which I'm going to be referring to extensively. Um, there isn't an awful lot of coverage in the press um, for March the March 1886, certainly not March the 3rd, that relates to the football. I will come back to press, the press, later on. But at the moment, I'm just going to be speaking about uh, the formation years of the Mill Rovers side, really, because... At this point, the club were formed not long, in October of 1885. So we're looking in March. First fixture, famously, was um, Saturday the 3rd of October 1885. So that's that's five months before the month that we're looking at, where the factory side from Morton's um, canning factory on the, on the island famously played Philbrook, Phillybrook, and got beat 5-0. Um, that was reported, apparently. I've never found this report. It was in the Sporting Life, 
what uh, one sentence sufficed, as, as James Murray puts it quite well here. Millwall versus Philbrook. This match was played on Saturday at Leytonstone, it says, on the ground of the latter at Philbrook. The home team penned in their opponents considerably and winning easily by five goals to nil. So an ignominious start for the club. Um, in what was, to be honest, um, a fragile beginning, really, and as a factory side, um, this was going to be a difficult start. Um, there's a wonderful account also from James's book, um, so I'm reading really directly from Lines of the South here, about a game on the 23rd of October, just um, what's that, two weeks after the very first fixture. And this is from a newspaper called the East End News. Um, which, as, as uh, the Murray says here, gives a remarkable insight into just what happened for their second game. So I'm going to read this paragraph verbatim. On Saturday last, the 17th of October, the Millwall Rovers started out from the Islanders pub on Took Street, Millwall, in a three-horse break, a uh, horse-drawn carriage for Buckhurst Hill, where they had to play a match with the Buckhurst Hill Football Club. Having arrived at the ground, no time was lost in dressing, and kickoff took place soon after four o'clock. The Rovers having won the toss, play was very brisk, but it could be seen that thanks to Messrs Crawford and Oliver, the Rovers had the day. Mr Hodge played well for the home team. Unfortunately, Rovers had no umpire, and as their opponent's umpire was not what might he might have been, two goals were disallowed, and there is nothing new, dear listeners, is there? Bent referees from the very start. All finished, they started for home, having a pleasant ride through the country. And upon their arrival at Millwall, were welcomed with a grand pyrotechnic display. Fireworks indeed, as, as James says it here. As it puts it here, it shows the importance, the growing importance that the football team had for the island and the sense of community that was that was clearly, um, you know, clearly building. Um, now, there's no report of anything in, in the March. Um, there is a nice report of uh, the annual dinner for Millwall Rovers at the end of the 1885-86 season. Um, there was a lot to be cheerful about, it says here, at the end of a, a season of, of um, you know, a good formation season. 50 people attended, winding up the festivities, singing to Pat Hollihan's violin rendition of Auld Lang Syne. Um, and I think that's quite a nice way to <laughs> to um, uh, to close out the first year. The, the most regular players to whom we must be most thankful, says James Murray here, were Captain Duncan Heen, his vice-captain George Oliver, uh, one Jay Reekey, Owen Elias, Henry Gunn, Tom, Tom Jessup, Joe Potter, Joe Tyler, Fred Northwood, Joe Rowland and James Crawford. These were the formative players for Millwall Rovers. There's a great photograph, which um, is, I think I've seen it on online before. It's the very first photo of Millwall Rovers, circa 1887, with the East End Cup, featuring some of those names there, Hughes, Jessup, Myerscough and, and others. Tough-looking hard group of men with their cup, the very first Millwall side. Now, as I say, I couldn't find an awful lot of actual sports um, reportage on the British newspaper archive for March the, 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 the 5th, 1886, but I did find one fascinating event it's reported in the sporting life. It took place um, on the farm road, Millwall, uh, a walking match between two men hailing from the Thames Conservancy, Conservancy Yard on Millwall. The competitors were one T. Train or Trainer and a, a T. Thorne. Now, I think that may well be Tom Thorne, who was an early chairman of Millwall Rovers Athletic Millwall FC. And the name of Thorne obviously would live on until the 80s when his, it must be his grandson, Adam Thorne, 
became chairman during the um, the tough years of the early 1980s. But this is a walking match, a walking race. Competitors being trained and thorn. Um, trainer, train, conceded 100-yard start in a mile to Thorne, so he must have fancied his chances. Um, but Thorne won it by a quarter of a mile. But Trainer was not satisfied with the style that Thorne walked in, and he will as, as challenged him to do an, to another um, event. He will walk in one or two miles level at the Bow Running Ground at any date that Thorne likes to name, from between one pound to five a side. The sporting life is to be the referee in this event. Um, man of money ready any evening this week at G Burroughs, Cooper's Arms, St. Leonard's Road, Popley must be the, uh, the second that would, uh, stand as the, um, uh, the, the surety for the, uh, for the event. Um, fascinating. I mean, this is the, this is the sporting life reporting, basically a challenge between two blokes to have a walking race with money on, on, on the, um, on the point. Um, Thorn clear. I don't know what style of walking he was doing here. He might, might have been running, mightn't he? Um, but Trainer wasn't satisfied with the event, although Thorne did indeed beat him. Um, a wonderful, wonderful insight into a very, very different era. Now, coincidentally, talking of Alan Thorne, I think his grandson of the Tom Thorne that uh, was chairman of the club, you know, in the in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, and and through into the into the turn of the century. There's a great photo that's on Twitter today of Alan Thorne. Posing with the former MP Bob Mellish, um, with with a an LDDC early eighties Millwall shirt, the pinstripe royal blue pinstripe, lovely shirt, and the roaring lion on it, Oscar manufacturers. But I thought it might be interesting just to mention Bob Mellish because he was always uh, one of my memories when I first started going in the seventies. Was that um, used to read the program word for word, cover to cover, of course. And he was the honorary chairman or honorary, um, I can't remember how they put it, but it's like he had an honorary position as chairman of the board, although no practical um, position. So I thought it might be interesting just to look at Bob Mellish, um, who was a big name, a name actually well respected in my family, because Bob Mellish, as my dad would always tell me whenever I mentioned his name or he saw the, the programme, was the bloke who got us our first council flat. Um, this will be back in 1964. I mean, how much of a hand Bob Mellish had in it, I don't know. I was only a baby at that time. But certainly both mum and dad uh, would hear no um, ill of Bob Mellish because they were living in a flat actually adjoining the Stanley Arms on the Southwark Park Road which um, the, build, the building had been condemned, and it's not there now. If you look, there's a patch of grass at the side of the Stanley Arms, and that was where um, a block, like a Victorian conversion, I think it would have been, stood. And as my uncle always loved to tell me, um, the house practically fell down. Um, but I do remember it. I remember um, the outside toilet, I sound like I come from Oliver Twist's time, and I'm sure younger listeners will be saying this now, but I do remember as a baby going to the the outside toilet, and that would have been at Southwark Park Road. But anyway, um, Bob Mellish was um, the MP for the area. So I'll just read the, um, the opening paragraph of the Wikipedia entry. Robert Joseph Mellish, Baron Mellish. 1913 to 1998, was a British politician. He was a long-serving Labour Party MP from 1946 to 1982, serving as Labour Chief Whip from 69 till 76. And in his later years, he fell out with the local constituency Labour Party, which would be the 
I can't remember what the definition was. Certainly, the Bermondsey area, whether that included Southwark and Bermondsey or how they defined it, I, I can't remember. Um, but he fell out in the early eighties, which had become, as it puts it here, dominated by people on the left of the Labour Party, and he eventually left Labour completely. Um, interesting life, Bob Mellish, um, born in Deptford. His father, John Mellish, and his mum, Mary Carroll. He was the thirteenth of fourteen children. An incredible. Um, sized families that people had then through necessity often because of child mortality. His father was a docker and had taken part in the docker's general strikes, or the docker strikes rather, of 1899 and 1912. After he left school, he worked for the Trade uh, Transport and General Workers Union and then during the war, Second World War, he ended up as a, um, a major in the Royal Engineers fighting in Southeast Asia against the Japanese. He was involved with the, um, the London Dockland Development Corporation, which was a kind of um, development, uh, tax breaks, uh, development of, of the former docklands, set up by Margaret Thatcher in actual fact. And they apparently they were keen to get a Labour figure to sit on the, on the board of the LDDC, which used to advertise on the front of the Millwall shirts. I imagine um, Mellish, as the honorary chairman of the football club, um, would have been, you know, would have would have helped that to um, to come to pass. Famous, famously, um, there was a Bermondsey by-election in the in the early nineteen eighties, involving um, Peter Tatchell, who was the local choice, a far more uh, left-wing, shall we call it, per, uh, person. And uh, Mellish, unfortunately, um, fell by the wayside. Later joined the Social Democratic Party, the SDP, when that, that existed, and then the Liberal Democrats in, in due course. It says here, Mellish was a supporter of Mill Football Club. He was more than that. He was he was honorary chairman and was president of the Mill Supporters Club. Um, I don't remember that, but then I never really followed the, the MSC's um, doings. Interestingly, during a debate in 1995 on the commemorations of the 50th anniversary of victory over Japan, in reply to someone expressing sorrow and regret for the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Mellish replied, um, whilst I was on board, we heard the war was over. I've never prayed so hard, nor been so grateful for anything as I was for that atomic bomb. It was the finest thing that ever happened, and we, that we, should, and that we should drop it on those villains, the Japanese. When we reached Port Swettenham, the ramifications would have been unbelievable for as, as an invasion of Japan would have cost cost many, many hundreds of thousands of, of, of lives. Um, thousands, he says here, thousands of lives would have been lost. And at the time, I thank God for the atomic bomb. Um, interesting views, interesting views. I've heard similar from others who are involved. I think I'll leave it there. Probably it's, you know, whatever you say on these things is um, is, is, is difficult. Um, the tallest building in Milton Keynes, apparently, is called Mellish Court and is named after him. I didn't know that. Bob Mellish, former chairman of Mill Football Club, Honorary Chairman, um, regularly um, named in the programme as such, and a man well thought of within my own family, um, and an interesting read, a very interesting life. I think that's probably the best way to leave it there. Um, bit of a ramshackle edition. It gave me, the, the random gave me a bit of a different year to deal with, but there we are. We, 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 we play the cards a little bit, listeners. Thank you for listening to this random fixture show, March 1886. Um, no actual fixture involved, <laughs> but I hope I've given you plenty of stuff to, um, I don't know, just to 
consider in your in your day. Thank you for listening to listeners. We'll be back on Sunday after the Blackburn game. Until then, Arriva Dirty Mill and bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Mill. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arriva Dirty Mill. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.